Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, a conversation about literature and art, about duende and queerness and coping and tea, border blur and misfits and community, secret places, ragged edges. Angel House Press. I'm your host, Amanda Earl. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. I'm Amanda Earl. This is episode 103. I'm happy today to uh, be here with Shloka Shankar. Welcome, Shloka. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Shloka is part of uh, an invitation that I to um, I invited the the publishers who had supported our Caring Imagination crowdfunding campaign, uh, was it this year? Yes, it was this year, this year, uh, to uh, be on the show so I could thank them and also so we could learn a little bit more about them, about the individuals behind the presses and all they do. So that's uh, so that's uh, one of the reasons why Shloka is here. Shloka, has be, uh, I, I want to say to you that um, I feel like I've known you for a long time, and uh, this is the first time we're, we're chatting on Zoom, but uh, I can't seem to remember... <laughs> When we started, like how, what our beginning is were, like I don't know whether it was through um, the uh, Facebook group, uh, Women um, and uh, Visual Poets, Women Visual Poets and Asimic Writers uh, Global on Facebook. Uh, I think it was more of uh, Michael Jacobson's Asimic Writing Group ah. on Facebook. And then I came across the um, Angel House Press Call for Submissions. Right. And right. yes. <laughs> It's, it's been a wonderful journey to be associated with you and also sort of help out with the with the campaign. So, yeah, and you can count me in every single year. So, <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, I, th I think you have a, so nationalpoetrymonth.ca and also in experimento.com uh, last year, I think. And also, yes. I'm really happy that you've agreed to join our caring imagination uh, uh, advisors as well. Yes. So, that's really wonderful too. The caring imagination, caringimagination.com is a site where uh, um, artists and anyone who works with uh, cultural workers can um, can inform themselves about uh, creating, disseminating, and producing art with compassion. So that's that's the idea behind that, and it's a work in progress. And we I keep adding to it as I see more and more resources from uh, from uh, people and and other questions that people have. So my first question for you, Shloka, is what would you like listeners to know about you? So um, I am from Bangalore, India. Uh, it's, it's a city in the south of India. And uh, I have been dabbling in both found poetry and especially Japanese short forms, haiku and senryu more particularly, uh, since 2014. And um, I started my journey called Sonic Boom, which is... Uh, right now on hiatus but we will start um restart it again and relaunch it in a different format uh say late next year hopefully and um i run a press called yavanika which uh incidentally is currently open for submissions oh, so great. uh we focus yes so we focus on e-chapbooks and uh e-mini chapbooks so our mini chapbooks are typically poems under 10 lines um, and we love incorporating poetry with art for these. Um, very, very wonderful, uh, you know, um, for a mixed genre work or 
hybrids where uh, it can be irispo, it could be racemic writing, it could be uh, collage work. Incidentally, we received a very interesting manuscript this year uh, from one of um, an artist who's, it's all about collage. So it's it's these uh, with the cut up technique, literally from different magazines and flyers and junk emails. Um, and she's created these very similar to, I would say, what Judy Klein is doing. Um, oh, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, so um, sort of similar to that. But I, I love found poetry, <laughs> a huge enthusiast. And um, I especially love the erasure form and combining that with the visual. Um, so, yes, that's a little about me. And Yavanika, like I said, is currently open for submissions. And the genres we publish are poetry. Um, short prose, which could include haigun and hybrids. Uh, we also publish Japanese short forms, which includes haiku, senryu, charita, jembun, and the like. Um, and we have the mixed genre, which is a little bit of everything <laughs> for those that defy categorization. Well, you do you do a lot too. I mean, you, aside from all those things, you also you're also a teacher as well. You you've been uh, working on. I guess is it is it primarily visual poetry that you teach, or do you teach the Japanese short forms and other things too? Is that uh... Uh, right? So um, I was I was uh, I think it was the pandemic that really gave me the boost to start something because everybody was going online, yeah. and it was the whole you know workshop craze. And I thought, okay, I should give this a shot. And I've been conducting online sessions uh, since 2020. Uh, this, will, this will actually be my third anniversary, Amanda. So wow. my first workshop ever workshop was on May 10th, 2020. And today we're on May 12th. So, Happy um, you know, so <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, so I started off with um, sound poetry, basically the blackouts and erasures. And I also did my, my second workshop was a Vispo. Uh, where I taught them a little bit of a make and collage and cut up and all of that. And um, right now, I'm also running a sort of mentorship for people who'd like to come back and delve deeper into these forms. And the mentorship is sort of three-pronged. We have a critiquing session where we discuss poems by uh, other poets who've sort of influenced you or who, whose style you'd like to emulate in some way or what have you learned from their uh, in that particular piece which resonates with you we sort of critique that and dissect it and we have the workshopping session where um my students write a minimum of five or actually create i, I won't use the word right because sometimes they make abstract sometimes they make whispers sometimes it's tiger sometimes it's blackout sometimes it's haiku sometimes it's haibun so you know <laughs> whatever they feel like um, the drill is to create at least a minimum of five pieces and we workshop them together as a group typically the group ranges uh, between 10 and 14 members each month. Some drop out because, uh, you know, they, they might have like a hectic schedule that month and then come back later. So it's very fluid that way. Um, but if you're there, you need to do the work. <laughs> right, you know, right. So, And um, we also have the publication process. So I kind of help them with where to send what. And oh, uh, thank you so much, Amanda. I was so glad that Tazin and uh, two of my students had their work placed in, in this year's National Poetry Month CA, which was a huge boost for them. Yeah, so, that was great. It was really good. I was really pleased to see. Um, I mean, I, I had a lot of variety in the submissions, but I, I was really pleased. It was very cool to learn after that they were your students. I was I thought that was, that was really super. I mean, I really love the idea of mentorship. I think it's an important part of the community that we need to. Right. I have, I have, I'm not doing it currently, but I have through Angel House Press, I've had um, 
a close reading service, a free close reading service for nice. new sort of emerging um, uh, women and non-binary poets. So those who don't have a, a chapbook or a book published yet, and usually um, like uh, unless it's self-published and then they can, they can, they're, they're welcome. And then what I do there is I just, uh, I'll look at up to five pages and I'll do basically what it sounds like what you talked about too. Well, I'll ask them about their influences, like who else they've read and what they like. And then I'll go over the poems and uh, make some, uh, some um, not what's the right word for it. Um, helpful and constructive suggestions, not anything right. mean or, or, you know, right. absolutely. Absolutely. Have you considered this? Usually my suggestions are fairly playful. And then I'll also uh, um, look at some of the uh, poets that who who they've talked about and see how, what they're doing in their own work and see how these poets might be doing something similar and show them that as well. And uh, one of the big issues for me is always um, a question of how to organize a poem. So many people uh, do it chronologically, um, beginning, middle, and end. And so I, I, I often, that's my big thing, I often help by showing them how to maybe think of different ways of organizing a poem and uh or even just turning it around so that's that's something that I was doing but I'm not doing it currently I just I feel like I have a lot going on and I had to give up something so right. that currently I'm not right. I'm not doing that's good and I was I'm interested I, I don't know a lot about Japanese short form or even um even the prose form the, the haiga as well so I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about those forms and also what drew you to them as, as a writer and also as an editor and publisher right um so I was introduced to um all of us have this misconception that haiku is just 575 Right, <laughs> but it's so much more than that. Especially the contemporary English language haiku is is um, you will find poems literally one word poems. Uh, for instance, there's this one poem called Tandra, which is just the word Tandra on the page. That's mm -hmm. it. It's a one word poem. And more recently, uh, there is this journal called Whip Tail, uh, edited by my co-editor Robin. Uh, right. She's the founding one of the uh, co-founders uh, co and co-editors of Whiptail currently. And um, they sort of published this one piece by P.H. Fisher, who is the now um, editor of Prone Juice, one of the editors of Prone Juice. And his one word poem, which really stood out to me in recent times, was enough. Yeah. <laughs> just the word enough. Yeah. You know, so uh, haiku can be just one word. It could be up to, you know, we have these micro micros, as they say which is about anywhere between three to four or five words even. And uh, it doesn't always have to be 575. Haiku can also be one line because traditionally that's how they are still written in Japan. It's a one breath poem in one line, but which was sort of um, appropriated. I don't know if, if I can use the word, but it was it was changed into the three line format uh, when it moved to the West. Right? Right. So it was typically uh, in one line earlier. So nowadays we have something called one-line haiku or monoku. There's, the, of course, the ter set. And then we have the duo stick, which is two-line haiku. And sometimes you even have haiku in four lines. So, you know, it's absolutely amazing. And um, the, the whole crux of, of Japanese short forms is uh, it really hinges on the concept of linking and shifting mm -hmm. and the juxtaposition of the images. Uh, where you're not, like, like all kinds of writing, if I could say, you're not, you're not, Telling the reader what's happening or showing us. Right. And, and one great way to do that is to, um, you know, my mentor, Kalaramish, always used to say, ask yourself, can I draw my height? Yes. 
that yeah. when that's when you're really engaging with all of the senses and you can really see it in your mind's eye and you can taste it or feel it or smell it all of those so you're engaging with uh whatever sense is depicted in that particular piece uh hyphen of course is um where you have a prose poem a title and haiku interspersed uh, a hyphen needs to have at least a minimum of one haiku and depending on the length of it you're free to add one or two more in case you know if if the prose demands it uh and here it's like a trinity of sorts where you have the title the prose and the poem uh linking and shifting from each other so the title is not just excerpted from the prose and the haiku is not just the summary of the prose well that that's it's great Yeah um we have in in Ottawa we actually have uh, several pra practitioners of these forms um I think about uh, a poet named Pearl Peary also Claudia Cotu Radmore and uh, Terry Witek uh, no not Terry Witek sorry although I she probably she could but she's not local and and I don't know about that but Terry <laughs> and Carter who used to be in Ottawa and has moved but that's sort of where I and and another person named Grant Savage that's where I sort of started to hear haiku for the first time and it it still hasn't right. it still hasn't suited me personally as a form I just I want to I don't know well I I've become uh, more of a fan of meditation in the last year or so so maybe as part of that I could sort of see that form being a helpful um right practice for being in the right. now especially absolutely. so absolutely absolutely i i i and, I, and it, it sort of makes it uh, it's a vehicle for me to make the uh, ineffable effable mm. <laughs> if i can say that so yeah. you know uh, it 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 uh, but i am heavily an abstract sort of poet and and <laughs> artist so uh, but i feel like even in my abstracted sort of haiku there is a world of emotion in there if you dig deep Right. So, uh, of course, there are different kinds of haiku and different kinds of haiku poets. But I think the more you sort of push yourself and uh, uh, push the envelope and and try and experiment with these forms and not just stick to the herons and cherry blossoms and whatnot, I feel yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh. So, uh, and and I feel like it's important to um, have your style show in whatever you do. Yeah, so it needs to have that signature. so yes that's great and i also imagine here there's um in canada we have a haiku canada i'm not sure what they're i'll i'll check and make sure i can find their um their web address but do you have a community where you are uh, uh, of of practitioners that you engage with there like in because i know uh, yes uh, i i did heavily when i was a newcomer Uh, yeah. Facebook has these absolutely wonderful groups called Virtual Haiku, and there's another one. Uh, again, Kala Ramesh is the director of um, Triveni Haika India. Uh, so we have these different work uh, workshopping forums, and uh, every day uh, we have like a spotlight uh, feature where we showcase one poem, and then there's a submission calendar to keep track of which journals are open. Uh, there's the Haiku Sutra Dhar, their monthly journal called Haiku Katha. So. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah that's that's beaut uh, that's a huge uh, sort of thing that's growing in india and of course the counterpart of that would be the haiku foundation in the us right uh, founded by jim kation it's it's a wonderful resource for everything haiku uh, they have i don't know over 500 600 or more free ebooks in their digital library so uh, you can access those um 
a chap books and uh, books and all of that uh, of course they have these weekly um haiku dialogue and then there's a lot that that has happening and very similar to the um critiquing that and i do with my students there's something called uh, virus which comes out every friday on the haiku foundation where mm. uh they pick a poem and uh there's commentary on that particular piece and the best commentary uh, the be- the person who wins best commentary or whatever best comment uh critiquing of that particular piece gets to choose next week's poem mm-hmm. and we can also share our views on that so it really expands our understanding of a piece um and and you also have a note from the original author saying what inspired them to write that so you can see how <laughs> you know were we even close to what the thought process was so how far flung yeah. it's interesting yeah interesting and also i think it it does show a very supportive community like willing to mentor but also willing to uh you know just kind of respond very quickly to things and it's it sounds right. like it's very uh, like that's good sometimes it's hard I, i tend to write long poems that are like book length or chapbook length it's very hard to respond quickly to those you can respond to a line i suppose but it's right it's not as easy Yeah so with um another thing i really like about your work is the way you combine so many different forms like a like a haiku with say erasure poetry and also collage like it's it's a very um it's like i think in in a lot of ways those forms the collage and erasure are actually suited to short forms quite a bit so it's a good match i like the way you do that right thank you so much When did you start and you also said you really like uh, found poetry too what what uh, do you remember what in particular did you find a particular interesting thing that you decided to make a poem out of at some point and and that's how you or how did you discover this interesting right so poetry? um i had this friend called ed bremson um and he was i think at that time the uh, the found poetry review was a huge deal and they brought out an anthology of um was it the um uh, bloomberg quiz right okay i i i am i'm not very sure but yeah they they brought out this anthology and um it was they had to use ulysses by james joyce and they had to all uh, sort of uh, respond to that and when the anthology was yeah. out i saw it post uh you know his his reaction like what is this i was very intrigued and i said what is this how does it work and then he explained it to me saying this is a found poem where you erase uh you know words that don't really comprise your poem and yeah. you sort of create something which is very minimal uh and i said okay wow i'd like to give that a shot and i started working with um i think my first attempt was with um the wasteland <laughs> Yeah, and it's the waste thing because it was huge. And I thought okay, let's try and erase this one. So, I made a series of short poems and I also sort of um erased one or two sections of Leaves of Grass by Whitman. Um and then I tried some other non-poetic sources like um I tried a page from a novel and I also tried some um in fact, I did the uh found poetry reviews uh Napoleon challenge in 2015 and they gave us this absolutely incredible challenge of 30 prompts which also wow. included culling poems from a restaurant menu which was genius <laughs> yeah right that's a fun <laughs> yeah, idea and absolutely and they also gave us this um 
you know, go to your community area or wherever you can find these group meetings or st- and stuff and and color, uh, you know, kind of compose a poem using words that you find in the notice board. Yeah, of all the things you've seen. <laughs> yeah, so, and then, yes. I'm always looking for uh, looking at language that way too. Sort of the surprises that jump out in the sort of ordinary, uh, everyday things in your life, right? So yeah, I, I get right. that. And yes. even even if it's you know something as nonsensical as to say that there is manifesto of chopping up and then picking up from the hat and putting it on paper, yeah. uh, even if it doesn't make sense, there are certain word combinations you would never have thought of yeah. had that not you know had it not been for the role of chance. <laughs> oh, that's um, the kind of yeah roll the chance plays in in those pieces so um it's been interesting and um there was this one very uh weird prompt that we had to do we had to pick up a wikipedia article say about marriage and substitute the word marriage with anything else so somebody did hamburger and marriage and it was yeah. hilarious you know so <laughs> Uh, they gave us a vera because after up until then I was only familiar with uh, the cutout, um, uh, the erasure, and the blackout. But when I was introduced to thirty more, I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is <laughs> possibilities." Yes, Have you ever absolutely. done the? Uh, there's n plus seven. Have you ever done that? Where yes, you- the yeah. Olipo. Yes, yes. Yeah. So you take the, uh, you look at a dictionary entry and you replace every, I can't was it, is you replace every seventh word or something like that? Yes. Like that. yes. I've done variations on that and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Uli you pick up the nouns, the verbs and the adjectives and yeah. Yeah. Right. Those are great ways and those are great prompts too. I do a lot of remixing of stuff. So I'll take a lot yes. of stuff. From, I love remixing. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, and it's interesting how the weird juxtapositions of 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 things that you would never have thought of come it comes up like I'll do I call them guided remixes because what I do is I'll do the remix and then I'll act, make a poem out of it like I'll I'll take stuff from it I often don't use the remix as is there's a great right. um, there's a great um, remix online remix engine I use it's from the Lazarus Corporation and it's called the yes. and remix engine I use that that yes. uh, that's my one that I use that was one of the prompts <laughs> oh, Amanda you will really love if you love that you might also be interested in languageisavirus.com yeah I don't know if yeah. you're aware of it yet. that's a wonderful resource and they have their visual poetry app which may you, you can draw fun stuff on that and create yeah. Uh, some visual poems you can draw yeah it's it's very funky speaking of visual poetry how how did you get into making making uh, the making your your work visual in that way like what what inspired that like to combine right so uh it was first my my love for um black Asia especially and then I also sort of learned uh how to combine initially I was um also interested in haiga, but the problem with haiga, haiga is basically a haiku or a senryo with an image, where mm-hmm. again, the idea is not to, uh, it's not ekphrastic, uh, it's more Lincoln-shift. So uh, the the, uh, the pieces need to stand alone, but come together in a, you know, in a new manner when, when they're uh, sort of united. So uh, in, in that sense, um, I first started collaborating with photographers uh, because I was making my own art till very late. And then I just started making these um, simple abstract pieces 
uh, and I started making my own art to sort of juxtapose with my poems. And I've collaborated uh, largely with Robin, uh, the, the, like I mentioned earlier, my co-editor of Yavanika and the co-founder of Vitil. Uh, so we've created a bunch of Haiga um, where they have responded to my artwork. And we're planning to bring out a book sometime <laughs> uh, when when the craziness is is a little less uh, mm -hmm. in our lives. So we mm -hmm. have over fifty of them, I guess, by now. So wow. it's yeah, and um, some of my students uh, are not. Uh, I mean, they, they would like some help with 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 the artwork. So what they do is they take my artwork and they respond to them till they sort of learn how to get their own. Um, style, so to speak. Do you want to pair it with photographs or do you want to do a similar collage? So it's nice, uh, you know, to give them like a springboard of sorts. So you want to use my work for now, it's totally fine. I love collabs <laughs> anyway. So, uh, and it's a great way to sort of see how someone else responds to your work or what sparks them to create that interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, no, that's true. It's funny about visual poetry. Like when I, when I, I would say that when I first, um, I, I I first started to learn about it in about 2005 with some um, mostly Canadian uh, work that I'd seen. And then I started to see some other work from other countries. And what sort of appealed to me at first was on a very typographic level, you know, working specifically with letters and playing with letters and making them different colors and, and sort of changing the. I found that if I changed the font in Photoshop, the letters had completely different personalities so i was playing a lot with stuff like that and right. i didn't i didn't really get into doing um, erasure and collage until later and collage uh, my issue with collage is well the physical collage is i'm really not that great with my hands so just to physically make a collage is always tricky digital collage i like but i, I am always a little concerned about the sources that i use so it's nice that your your class basically your students are able to use work that you know you use and or your own work and, and others too like and do you usually if you're making collage and stuff do you do you worry about permissions at all using other artwork or do you how do you handle that uh, I've always so, been uh, basically sometimes I I create my own painted papers uh if it's a physical sort of collage yeah. and the magazine images uh I'm not really reselling them in some way. So these are just for me and I'm sort of repurposing them uh, in a sense. So right. uh, the, the final result is, is which is the same with found poetry. It's not a summary of the original text. I'm trying That's to right. link and shift away from that. So um, yeah. even if I use Shakespeare, it needs to still sound like Shloka, <laughs> you know, oddly enough. Shloka so <laughs> uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, so... Uh, and when it's digital, I um I've been using PixArt because they have like these really funky stickers and stuff, uh, which I've been exploring. Uh, and I did the Febrilage challenge for the very first time this year, where I created uh twenty eight collages in twenty eight days, yeah. all digital. Yes, <laughs> and uh, I kind of do these uh, bursts of creativity because otherwise I, I need that push and I don't really get much done because I'm yeah. doing so many other things. So I devote uh, at least two months in a year. There's this uh, thing called the Poeming uh, where they host um, the National Poetry Month uh, Challenge every April where they give all of us a common novel to work on and 40 or 50 of us uh, 
cut out poems and compose poems from the same novel sometimes using the exact same phrase but no two poems will ever ever be alike which is Amazing. so beautiful that sounds fun yes. it sounds like you have a lot of fun and you play a lot in your in your work which is which is great oh i do <laughs> i think that's important have, yes I think when I first started to, well, when I first started to take uh, poetry workshops, like it was about 2000, there wasn't a lot of sense of play. And it took a while before before that sort of entered my uh, understanding of what you could do with poetry. Other than play with language, you can play with so much. You can play with form. You can play with shape. You can play with uh, every, just every, every aspect of a poem is something to play with, right? So Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Well, let's talk about Yavanika Press now. Um, can you talk about um, why you decided why you decided to start the uh, press? Right. So um, I was really happy with with Sonic Boom. We were initially triannual, and then we uh, changed to biannual, and we removed the Sendrio contest and replaced that with the annual Whisper contest because I really wanted. Uh, a platform which had like a whisper contest. I really wanted that. Um, and I wasn't aware of any other venues which are offering it as a contest sort of a thing. I knew there are journals like Utsanga and of course National Poetry Month and other places or Autolits, for example, edited by Mark Young. Uh, but I wanted to sort of have something dedicated wholly to whisper in all its garbs. Um, and uh, before we decided to make that switch, I also thought, okay, I'd like to sort of bring out each of books because uh, in India, uh, the logistics are super hard. And as a disabled uh, person, uh, person with a disability, it's it's hard for me to sort of ship things overseas. Uh, it's not really possible. Uh, uh, it's just too much work. And um, I would have to find someone, you know, to make the chapbooks and all of that. So I thought, okay, ebooks is the best thing because it also saves shipping costs. Uh, everybody can read it, um, you know, anytime, anywhere. And I wanted to sort of, um, I wanted it to be an extension of what we were doing at Sonic Boom. Right. So I wanted it to be poetry. I wanted it to be uh, haiku collections. I wanted it to be mixed genre, um, stuff like that. So I wanted it to be an extension of that. And I wanted to uh, sort of make it accessible uh, both to debut debutant authors as well as established voices. And we've been able to do that quite consistently in the last four years. Uh, we've had major big names and we've had like uh, last year, especially we published um, five books by first time authors. Oh, great. So, so very, yeah, it was very rewarding and uh, they did really well. So can you talk about some of the publications that um, you have available to uh... Uh, yes. So yes. So um, uh, there is. Uh, hold on. I will just look at the catalog. It's just easier to you know. Yeah, for sure. Um. So one of our favorites from last year was science fiction by Tejushri Murugan. Uh, she's a twenty-two-year-old uh, kid, and oh my gosh, brilliant voice, absolutely outstanding style. Uh, there's also the end is not a cop. Sorry, the end is not apocalypse. Mm-hmm. There's another morning where everyone tells me I'm dead. That's the title, a really long one by oh. Tanya Singh, wow. uh, which which is very 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 uh, powerful uh, narrative about the Sikh genocide which happened in India in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Right, 
there's also Walk by Mustan Sid Dalvi, which chronicles the pandemic uh, in 2020 uh, with relation to the migrant workers in India who had to walk back to their villages. Uh, it's a it's a pretty searing Winnie Chapbook. Yeah. Uh, there's um, I Am the Dancing by Mani G. Ayer, uh, who suffers from Usher syndrome. He's both deaf and blind. Uh, and this one will bring you to tears, I promise. And it's a free mm -hmm. chapbook. So for the first two years, we made all of our titles available for free. Uh, right. You can download them as as ebooks. Um, and since 2020, uh, we charge a nominal price of $2.50 USD per book, uh, yeah. more, more or less, depending on the length of the books. Uh, and then there's also Where the Roots Are, the Best of Paper Lanterns anthology, which we brought out, which was uh, a collection of the best of uh, the poems that were published under the Poetry Shack section of Sonic Boom. Uh, between the years, I think, 2018 and 21, I guess, um, uh, basically issues 11 to 20. And this one received an honorable mention in the Touchstone Distinguished Books Awards, uh, Book Awards in 2021. So that's an interesting one. And um, most recently, for the second year in a row, a Yavanika title was shortlisted for uh, the Touchstone Awards. My book, The Field of Why, uh, my debut book, which was launched um, last year and will turn one year old <laughs> wow. on my birthday because I released it on my birthday last year. Nice. Happy um, birthday and book birthday. <laughs> in Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the, the field of why is is my collection. Uh, it, it comprises 51 um, poems, haiku, senryo, and contains nine haiga, which are again visual poems with my original artwork. Uh, so, yes, these are some of the titles. Another one um, which did really well last year was God of the Body by Ash Evan Lippert. Uh, you can find these uh, in our website, uh, either under our titles or in the archive section. Great. Uh, there's also, yeah, and there's this last one by E.M. Foster, a first-time author. Plato is better at metaphor than I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which was great. one of the uh, ebooks which was offered for the campaign as well. So, That's great. And do yes. you um, do you always like it, so? How does it work? Do, is it always through calls, or do you ever do invited uh, submissions as well, or is it strictly through calls that you uh, you? Uh, only once did we uh, solicit and publish Kyle Hemmings's uh, full length collection, Amnesiacs of Summer, but mm. otherwise it's mostly been um, unsolicited. Yeah. Right. But for Sonic Boom, on the other hand, I've solicited a lot. So, you know, if someone posts on Facebook and I really love a piece, a scenic piece, uh, right. in a scenic piece or something on, like, for instance, um, uh, Jean LeBlanc, am I, am I saying that yes. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I love her work and I uh, wanted to, I published her photo essay on Sonic Boom after seeing what she had posted on um, the group. And I said, okay, can I please publish this? She said, yes. So that was really sweet of her. So whenever I come across interesting stuff, I do solicit yeah. as well for Sonic Boom. Not so much with Japanese. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get that. I, I um this the way it works for, for Angel House Press, we stopped doing chapbooks in about twenty eighteen. We were doing physical chapbooks, but we didn't have the 
basically um the design and stuff is done by my husband and i just he has a full-time day job and and you know there's only so right. many hours in the day so we st and plus we only have um we only have a small apartment so we just don't have room to store a lot of stuff and also i like the idea of the e-chat book because uh what happens for us is that um I don't want to just, I love publishing local people, but I also want to publish outside of my own little community. And I do find that a lot of the problem is shipping is like, it's, it's, it's cumbersome to do, but it's also expensive. So that, um, that was another reason why we have, because we don't want to just publish uh, people within our own community, our own local. Exactly. Community. Right. So that's and Amanda, uh, this is so weird. I have to tell you this. Um, <laughs> so most of these Heiko journals, uh, that you know, if you'd like a subscription for. Uh, yeah. So the journal <laughs> is $15. And can you guess the shipping? $15? 25. Oh, I'm yeah. not kidding. That's it, because the, the shipping <laughs> has gone through the roof. It's really yes. hard, so much so that I'm a little bit worried about our crowdfunding campaign next year, but that's next year's problem, so I won't. <laughs> But we were we were doing nationalpoetrymonth.ca and Experiment O almost from the beginning, like just at maybe a year or two after we founded Angel House Press in 2007. And um, what I do is um, I do a, a general call for National Poetry Month. And usually from there and also from looking around and seeing what's out there, I then invite uh, 10, or 10 contributors for Experiment O, which is later in the year. So that's how I kind yeah. of... Do the scouting. Right. Do the scouting for. I have both the open call and then and then the thing. And of course, right. now, now we're able to pay. And I, and I always wanted to understand how experiment O works because uh, you know I was like, how do I submit? And then oh, yeah, I send you an email. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's right. awesome. Sometimes it's I have people on my list for the next issue or the next, you know, it just depends on because I only want to. I, I used to publish sometimes up to 12, but now that we have um, we're paying writers we've and we've got crowdfunding campaign uh, going, we, we have enough money to pay 10. So so nice. that it's going to be 10 as long as we get enough uh, enough uh, funds and stuff like that. And we do have this year because we had thanks to all the uh, people who um, supported the campaign and. Thanks to yes. all the publishers who uh, who and and journals and artists who um, also donated their work. Uh, yes. Is there anything else that you want us to talk about before we uh, we finish the episode? Or we finish. This uh, so if if you have a chat book, please do send it our way. Uh, we're open uh, through May and June. The deadline is June thirtieth, and uh, the Vispo contest, the third annual visual poetry contest. Uh, will run from June 1st to the 25th. And Amanda was in our gallery last year. And, uh, yes. <laughs> and uh, we've had some really amazing work. Um, we've received some tremendous, phenomenal entries. So we have uh, three winners, two honorable mentions, and any number that we deem fit for the gallery. So uh, sometimes if we like them all, we put them all in the gallery. So yeah. <laughs> please do send us your work. Uh, you can find details, I think, in Amanda's links. Uh, yeah. So do check it out. And uh, you can, for any queries, you can contact me anytime as well. And yeah, that's about it. I, I hope uh, we get to read some of your work. That's great. Thank you, Shloka. Thanks, thanks to Shloka for being on the show, to Charles O for processing, to Jennifer Peterson for the intro and outro, and to all of you for listening to and sharing the episode. Stay tuned for the final episode in May, a month with three episodes.
for my conversation with writer and Between the Covers host, David Naiman. Thank you for listening to The Small Machine Talks. The Small Machine Talks.